from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're listening to the CISO Talk Podcast. No sales, no bullshit, just straight talk. Straight talk. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Whoa, blow it up. CISO Talk time in veteran November. I've got the one, the only. Um, he goes by Paul Love, but I kind of like to say Paul Louvet, make it very fancy. Uh, CISO over at Co-op Financial Services. Paul, welcome to Veteran November, buddy. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. It's so awesome to have you on. Before we get started with Paul, though, and we talk a little bit about his military experience, if you have not subscribed to our CISO Talk podcast or CyberHub podcast, do so right now. If you're watching us on YouTube, I'm so close to monetizing YouTube, folks. So, so close. So please just subscribe to my YouTube channel, begging you, please, to do so right now. You'll get all of our content and make sure you turn on the bell. Um, all of our content can be found on our website at cyberhubpodcast.com as well. And without further ado, Paul, Welcome to the show. I've done enough self-promotion, right? Like, you know what would have been worse right there? Like a vendor pitch, right? Like, and by the way, are you looking for firewalls? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's one good thing is, uh, you know, the no vendor approach. So like that. Yeah. Um, people have to listen to the, um, uh, people will listen to the ads before we get started. Kind of like Joe Rogan does it, right? Yeah. Like, everyone yeah. knows when you listen to Joe Rogan, like you skip like six, seven minutes. Yeah. Right? And, the, and then you realize you're in the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the right way yeah. to do it. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> Paul, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you so much. We've overcame all of you know how how many CISOs does it take to get a podcast episode recorded uh, virtually? Apparently, two. At least two. Uh, at least yeah. two. <laughs> at least um, two. Yeah. Yeah. We've overcame all of our technical issues, um, and we've had a great conversation before we started recording. And so this is Veteran November, folks, uh, a month where we thank our veterans uh, for their service. We're, I'm highlighting this month all of the veterans that are InfoSec for the month of November. I'll be doing this, by the way, every single November going forward. Like every November, 26 veterans come on the show. You know, I know 30 days in November, but, you know, four Saturdays take Saturday off Paul and I were talking about that spend time with your family with your friends read a book turn off notifications just unplug if you can if you can Paul you've been in cyber for a very very long time you said 30 years yep just about yeah and actually I was in before I kind of I don't count the time in middle school where I programmed my first um, Atari 65 XC slash 800 where I created like a little security program on there. So I love, I was an Atari person, not an Apple person. I love Apple now, but yeah. Well, so, so, I mean, Atari's Atari, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I, I mean, I could do amazing things on Atari. I actually was looking at buying another one just, just for the fun of it to go back and manually program line by line um, from old magazines and spend 18 hours to, you know, program something that just moves across the screen. It was a great time when I was a kid. So my wife and I are on a 90s movie kick. Oh. So Atari is heavy in early 90s oh, yeah. movies. Like 19, yeah. anything from like 1988 to like 1995, 96, heavy yeah. Atari. Then it kind of gets into PlayStation. Yeah, which uh, things change all. I mean, it's like the Coke and um, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, right? You could tell what, I mean, everybody was on one side. You were either an Atari person or an Apple person. So in our school, right, we had Apples and Ataris and, 
you know, the kids like me who couldn't afford an Apple at home, I went to the Atari one because I knew I could afford that. So yeah, it was just an interesting dynamic. You know, we, we would all have little competitions with each other and so forth. Good times, good memories. Indeed, good memories to be had. Paul, let's talk a little bit about your military service. What branch yeah. of the service did you serve in and, and how long did you serve uh, overall? So I was in the, the Marine Corps and I was in for eight years. I decided to uh, do two tours, right? So I re-enlisted once and um, yeah, loved the entire time. Um, but as you know, you know, if you do more than um, 10 years, right, once you get past that third enlistment, you might as well stay for 20. So for me, it was a, it was a tough decision, but I loved every minute in the Marine Corps. So Semper Fi, I'd be I'd be a You're fool right. if I didn't say that. Um, yeah. um, so 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 that's great. So tell us a little bit about um, did you learn cyber? Were you uh, in cybersecurity in the Marine Corps, or or kind of was it was mm-hmm. cyber something you kind of fell into after? Um, I actually went in with the desire to be in intelligence, so cyber, um, and I signed up for that. Right, I, I went in, um, you know focused on um, IT and security at the time. So um, when I went into boot camp, I already knew what I was going to do when I got out. So, um, you know, I, I've been in cyber since the day I got out of boot camp and went to my A school, my secondary school. In the army, we call that AIT. Just, uh, just you know, like... We got to have some competition here. Yeah. yeah A little I bit mean- of rival, friendly rivalry. It's okay. I mean, I, I will say this, that a lot of people are, always feel like the military is so um, divided, right? Like no. Army, Navy, Marine, Air Force. And I'm like, listen, we all may have competition, but we all equally hate the Air Force. Like, that's just <laughs> universal. <laughs> but we all have our friendly rivalries, even even in the Naval Service, right? I mean, the Marines and the Navy. I mean, it's just like, it's like different um different football teams they all respect each other and they all respect what they do but in you know in the end they have to have a little competition but yeah i it, it was a lot of fun working with I, I got to work with a lot of army um and air force and navy people in my field and you know you, you see a lot of the same traits throughout um the different the different branches but again you still have to have a little bit of rivalry because the marine corps uniform our dress blues were amazing so well so so you know the it was very interesting because you know when you when you're uh, in maps like right before you deploy for basic mm-hmm. right, um, you're you're in a hotel and everyone that's in that hotel with you the the night before you deploy they're from all branches of the military right mm-hmm. so you've got Air Force Marines Navy Army, um, and I you know I enlisted in the Army but you know that's because I thought that the Marine basic training was just too hard. Well, and long, 13 weeks, right? We are twice as long as everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, but that's why the Marines, you know, irregardless of rivalry or not, are the baddest of the bad. Yeah. And that's actually, it's an interesting story because I was actually um, in Air Force Junior ROTC in high school and I was going to go into the Air Force. Um, and I had scheduled an appointment with the Air Force recruiter, and um, he didn't show up or he was late. I, I don't know what happened, but the Marine saw me there and said, do you, do you have what it takes to be one of us? Are you good enough? I'm like, oh, that's an interesting sales pitch. Usually you get somebody coming in and say, mm, you know, oh, you should come try this. It's like, and, and, and the thing I really appreciate, appreciate about the Marine Corps and the Marine was um, we're not going to give this to you. If you don't earn it, you're not good enough and we're going to you're going to be out. Right. You if only if you want to challenge. Otherwise, don't bother. Get out of my office. It's like, wow, this is 
I've never been challenged like that before. And, and that's what really pushed me um, to join the Marines. But, you know, I was actually on my way to be in the Air Force, which, you know, they had some great technology and some capabilities. So definitely respected that. But for me personally, I think the Marine Corps helped change who I am a lot. Yeah, the, the, um, the, the Marine Corps has a specific set of, I don't, I don't want to say standards, but um, more people drop out of the Marine Corps boot camp than any other boot camp combined. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that is also Yeah, we saw a lot statistic. of people leave. Yeah. Yeah, we saw a lot of people leave. Just it's it's not for everybody, right? You got to you gotta love it. And it's, all, it's actually a lot like cybersecurity, right? You see people get into the field because it's like, oh, hey, there's money here. And it's, um, you know, it seems interesting, but... When you do it for a long enough period, like you and I have, or any CISO, um, you know, you realize that it's not, you, you got to love this job because there are some days that are exceptionally frustrating that it's just like, what am I doing? Right. And that's a lot like the, the for me, the Marine Corps um, or the military in general, right? You're not going into it for money. If you're going into it for money, you're choosing the wrong reason, right? You need yeah. to focus on what are you trying to accomplish personally and um, externally. So, yeah, it's a great parallel. I think you make more money as a as a terrorist than you do in the military. Um, oh yeah, well that that's one reason I left. Right, it's like I, I I was actually eligible for for welfare as a sergeant, and it's for me it's like okay, I I need to make sure I can take care of the family. But I mean, I I would go back in a second. I love the the Marine Corps and, and the military and the camaraderie was amazing. So let's talk a little bit about that transition from military mm-hmm. to civilian. You know, that's one of the hardest. Um, you know, you and I talk to a lot of veterans, I'm sure, and we mentor mm-hmm. a lot. And, you know, the hardest part for a lot of those guys is the transition from military to civilian. It's, you know, getting your CV and or there's a lot of different challenges there, right, from mindset to, to so many others. Tell me a little bit about and, and if you don't mind sharing with us a little bit about kind of what was that transition like for you? What were some of the things that you failed at that we can learn from? And what were some of the things that, you know, you did very well in that transition? Yeah, so over my career, luckily, I, I when I got out of the uh, Marines, I went into a, a company that um, the person that was managing me was former Air Force. Amazing, amazing leader. Loved him. Um, and he understood like what that transition was. Because coming straight out of the military, it's hard to break habits, especially if you were in for eight years like I was, and enlisted especially. Um, and, and Marine, if you add that, right? Right. Everyone's sir, ma'am. Um, you know, it's very rigid. Um, you know, while you can think independently, if you get an order, you take it. You don't question. Right. You just you do. Um, you disagree and commit. But, um, you know, the thing that I think I learned, it, the transition wasn't hard for me personally. Um, and that's because I had an amazing manager who was willing to guide me and, you know, understood some of the things that I was dealing with. So, for instance, you know, when I went to my second or third company, I, I still think I called people sir and ma'am. And for a long time, I thought that was just a sign of respect. And finally, someone just told me, hey, in the civilian world, that actually makes people feel uncomfortable. Um, and it makes, you know, people don't want you, um, you know, to do those honorifics, right? They just want to have conversations with you. So it actually took me a long time to get out of that habit. Um, another one was um, the fear, um, I'm trying to, the right word for it is more of um, 
feeling like I had enough skill sets behind me or enough certifications or education to be able to speak competently in a room. So, you know, over my career, I've multiple certifications, multiple degrees after I got out of the military, um, you know, books, et cetera. But anytime I'd walk in a room, I'd always feel like I don't quite know enough. If I just go and got my PhD or if I wrote one more book or if I did one more thing, um, then I would be able to I, I could speak confidently. And I think that was kind of um, for me um, personally, it was a military type of transition where the more stripes you had, the more people respected your opinion. And, you know, it took me a while to realize that um, the rank and the honorifics and the titles and all of that don't really mean much, um, especially in the civilian world. It's about the ideas you bring and being um, confident enough to speak to those. And, you know, actually that probably took me 10, 15 years to figure out. I mean, I would still walk into rooms and be like, oh, okay, these people are all smarter than me. I, 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 why should they take my opinion when I was the security person? Um, and so that was part of the transition. The other one was um, the language. And, and what I mean by that is acronyms, right? Um, I became very accustomed to acronyms and now I'm very averse to using acronyms. And actually I tell my teams, um, you know, acronyms are the language of exclusion, right? You, you use the, and business leaders don't wanna hear about DLP and um, you know, all the different acronyms we have in our field. They want to understand, you know, what are you trying to say? Well, oh, this tool can monitor for, um, you know, certain key things that we're looking for, whether it be personally identifiable information or whatnot, right? So being able to speak very plainly um, was really important. In the military, you speak very plainly too, but you have that special language, right? Of everybody knows all the different, you DD-214, right? I mean, everybody just knows what that is. Um, but in the military, in the civilian world, it's it's totally different. So. Those are the three things I think that took me the longest. And, and sometimes I still, I'll walk into a room and be like, um, you know, am, am I, do I have enough knowledge? But I think what I've come away with over the years is that I have to be comfortable with what I don't know. And that took a lot of um, self, you know, I, self-reflection. And so when I walk into a room and I don't know something, I'm absolutely comfortable saying, hey, I don't know the answer to that. Talk, talk to me, dumb it down a little bit for me. And let's figure this out together. Yeah, there, there's, a, there, there's a piece to not knowing something. I think in the mm -hmm. military, like you said, we speak in a lot of acronyms. Mm -hmm. Everything's an acronym. Everything's got a shortcut. <laughs> like you don't yeah. go get breakfast. We're going to chow, right? Yeah. Like like it's chow time. Like like everything is kind of like cut down. There, I, I can't recall, but there was like a comedy skit. I think it was in The Office. I think it was one of the episodes of The Office where um, – uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin mm -hmm. uh, Malone like speaks in shortcuts. He goes bathroom now, and they're like, Kevin, you can't, you know, eat now, <laughs> yeah, right? And, like... <laughs> yeah, and like Michael's trying to explain to Kevin, like you got to use full sentences, and yeah. and Kevin Malone's like, but why? I'm saving time, and with all this time I'm saving, I can be so much more productive. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't I, quite work that way, right? And I remember watching that and going, wow, that's like the military, right? Like. You know, we were always talking in code and squadrons and um, and, and some Hollywood movies were able to get that done right. Like, you know, like, the you know, you, you go three clicks up and then, you know, hang a left and then a right mm -hmm. and then go into the building up to second. You know, like it's 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 um, it, it is true that the language barrier when people leave is mm -hmm. is, is is very challenging. The yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I still do that today. 
Yeah, it's like, a hard habit to break. Yeah. Well, if you're in front of the board, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's very hard for you to look at the board um and and go uh sure jerry what was that like you go Mm -hmm. yes sir like especially when they're asking you questions if you're like i think like you know we learn collectiveness and calmness and handling stressful situations and when we're in that situation let's say we're in front of the board or we're in a really important or big meeting right you almost i I think for me i automatically revert to my training and then i go yes sir no sir right Because that's where you get your calm and your cool from. I didn't get it from a civilian. Like, you know, it wasn't from a college campus. It was from, you know, real life experience in the military. And, you know, no matter what you were going through in the military was yes, sir. No, sir. No. Yes, ma'am. But it actually makes civilians very uncomfortable from, I mean, and I've had people tell me, um, you know, outside the military that it actually makes them feel uncomfortable, right? Like you're elevating them above you or, you know, it's, it's just, it's unneeded. It's, it's an unneeded thing. And, you know, it took again. I do it. I still say it sometimes, but I've I've gotten I've gotten used to being very comfortable with who I am. And when I talk to boards or um, you know senior leaders, calling their first name is still respectful. It's it's what I've learned is it's the tone of how you talk to people, right. not necessarily the words. And and making sure that your tone is appropriate shows that respect that people are due. So, so talk a little bit about your civilian journey to your current role as a CISO. Um, I've had several CISOs so far this month. I've tried to have one a week, um, you know, and, and then highlight all the other positions that exist within InfoSec. But talk a little bit about how you got started, where you got started, and then where'd you go from there and, and, how, and how long you've been in your current role and, and what's that like? Sure. So, um, you know, I got started right after I got out of the military in a Unix system administration slash security job. And, um, you know, it was I've, I've actually moved around to a lot of different organizations. So I've worked at Freddie Mac, um, Microsoft, Ernst & Young, Schlumberger, right? I mean, a whole bunch of different company, Ally Bank um, and so forth. So my my journey has been to find the challenges and that's what I've, I've tried to do throughout my career is try to find where there's a challenge, where something needs to be, um, you know, a program needs to be implemented or fixed. And I've discovered about myself that um, I'm a builder primarily. Um, I can maintain, but I'm primarily a builder. And when a role becomes a maintainer role, that's when I go, okay, hey, I've done what I need to do. And I move to the next role. So, you know, I've, I've worked in primarily financial services and worked from, you know, a system administrator to a manager of security operations to a director um, and, and both highly technical and then more of the um, governance risk and compliance um, aspect as well. And I think all of those things helped me to um, eventually become a CISO, right? Because I, and something I tell people that I'm mentoring is, a lot of people want to go into pen testing, um, you know, the technical, the very deep technical portion. They want to start their career that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you if you want to be a CISO, I would suggest um, and recommend that you try other parts of the field. Right. So, um, you know, I was talking to one person and I recommended they're highly technical. And I actually recommended to them to try GRC out, excuse me, to try the governance risk and compliance out to understand why the things they were doing, um, why they were doing the things they were doing, not just to do it, like to run a red team or something, but there's a reason why, what's the regulatory requirement, what's the the standards and so forth. So, you know, all those those experiences um, 
within security, different aspects of security from the system administration and so forth have, I think, enabled me to understand um, a lot, enough about security to be a CISO and to build programs. But as you and I were talking earlier, um, that's the thing I love about this is you're always learning. So even though I'm in this um, role, I just recently went and got some some forensics certifications. Um, and that's just because one, I want to stay technically competent, but two, I need to understand how things work so that when I'm working with my teams, I know what the capabilities are um, and, and I can work with the teams. That's such a um, that's such a very like fascinating leadership thing to do and i'm like i really want to dig there but i know that we'll go down a rabbit hole and we're, 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 we don't have that much. these episodes are 30 minutes this isn't a traditional CISO talk episode i'll have you on a traditional CISO talk yeah. episode and i'm gonna <laughs> dig there because um th- i think that's one of the things that most um cisos sometimes as they get further and further along in their careers we start to forget the foundational stuff of mm-hmm. you know forensics incident response pen testing mm-hmm. capabilities and so we're, we're often very much stuck in kind of a a knowledge rut where we stopped kind of yeah. reading or stopped educating ourselves or you know we do our cpes we go to a conference you know to get signed off so we can get our cpes to maintain our certs but maybe we don't always um, really pay attention unless yeah, it's because we're always multitasking or something yeah well yeah i mean you know the one thing about you know that i tell veterans about a security job is um if you're if you haven't started a family in the military and you want to start a family within security you make sure that you explain to your your spouse whoever that is that this is a 24 7 365 job and that sometimes Absolutely. there's the 3 a.m. phone call and sometimes you're going to go to the office and something's going to happen midday and you're not going to come home until the next morning. And it's not because mm-hmm. you don't want to come home, but it's because we, we get the job done, right? Like we'll yeah. leave at sunrise um, to go home, shower, eat, change, maybe say hi to our spouse and then come back to the office a few hours later um, and work through the day and and then go home. And, Accomplish and, the mission. Yeah. Right. And And so... Like that—that's the one thing, and and I had a very interesting conversation with with another person who was on the show where we talked about the purpose. So when you leave the military, one of the greatest downers, right, is mm-hmm. is the lack of purpose, right? So a lot of times you get sucked into those uh, uh, dead end jobs, right, in a call center or a help desk or something like that, and um, you don't find purpose, and then that leads to a snowball effect, right? Uh, yep. alcohol, drugs, and then and, and we know where, where things go from there. Um, PTSD, severe PTSD, mental health uh, symptoms that, you know, increase rather than decrease because of a feeling of productiveness and a feeling of self-worth. And yeah. so security does fill kind of those check marks quickly. You're, you're working for a purpose. You know, you've been in financial services, a predominant part of your career. You're protecting our financial system. Mm-hmm. You're protecting money, which has a serious impact on our national security, right? Yeah. I mean, the the, 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 the cybersecurity battle of today is um, people trying to create the greatest transfer of wealth in human history by, by, by launching cyber attacks against organizations and institutions in order to gain financial uh, the financial upper hand. I mean, that's just the bottom line of what this is. You know, I kind of stopped talking in data terms and started talking about the greatest transfer of wealth in human history. Mm-hmm. And people go, well, what do you mean? And I go, well, let me explain, <laughs> right? Um, 
but but yeah. I felt like that that's that's helping. That, that that's a point. Do you feel the same way about about security? Do you feel like it has a higher purpose that kind of keeps you at the same level as kind of you know you were a marine, you are a marine, and so as a marine, you know you're always kind of looking for a sense of purpose. Yeah, no, and you you, know, you bring up a great point because um, I was chasing money for the most the earliest part of my career. I thought success equaled money. And one thing when I mentor people is I say, make sure you understand what you want, right? Money for me is a detractor, but it's not a motivator, right? So I'm not going to go into I know now personally not to go into a job because of money. I know to, you know, that it needs to be a certain amount, but I really, for me, I need to feel like I'm accomplishing something and I need to feel like the organization I belong to is um, helping the world. Right. And, you know, every person has to select that for themselves. So, for instance, I'm in the credit union industry, which their goal is people helping people. Right. That really um, means a lot to me. And I feel like it's part of a mission that I can really get behind and in financial services. Right. You're protecting people's ability to spend time with their family and so forth. So absolutely. Um, you know, and I I've had friends who have gone into different roles and they were frustrated because, it's either they didn't understand the company's mission or they didn't believe in it, but you can tell when somebody's not fully engaged. Um, and that's why, you know, I, I learned, you know, I, everyone makes mistakes. I made a couple of missteps in my career where I, when I, where I focused on money and when I changed how I approached things and I focused on the mission and what makes me feel good and what makes me feel like I've accomplished something, it changed my entire life. Like the organization I'm in now is, um, feels very much like the the camaraderie that you get in the military. It feels like, okay, we're here to help people. That's our primary focus. It's not about just making money. Um, so, you know, you have to find that for yourself and, you know, whether, and if, if your motivation is money, right, just make sure that it doesn't overtake other things because every, there has to be balance across the board. So yeah. the short answer is yes. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's a great answer because I, you know, when we leave the service, um, we're constantly, you know, the, the defense industry is almost quick to jump on us mm-hmm. and offer us a blinding amount of money. But sometimes you realize there's no purpose in that. Um, and yeah. so um, you, you kind of want to have purpose. And I think InfoSec gives us purpose because, it, you know, what we're trained to do is is done you know on a virtual level yeah we're in a battle we're in a battle in a virtual kind of cyber world and 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 there's there's a little bit of that you know rivalry that opposition that drives you that's a little you know you're kind of used to it in the military because there's an opponent somewhere out there and there's you know strategic thinking and creative thinking and out of the box and you know there's aspects to that that i think are just like they fit for a veteran yeah Absolutely agree. And it, we're, we're being in security is about protecting, right? And there's that natural sense of wanting to protect others, protect, you know, what your country protect, just protect. And security is all about protecting. And I 100% agree. That's why I think it's a great field for veterans. So um, as we're almost out of time, and I'm trying to keep these episodes under 30 minutes, I'm mm-hmm. trying hard, but with people like you, <laughs> Paul, it's so hard, right? Like, yeah. like I just want to go into like a full-fledged CISO talk episode, but we'll, we'll have to record a whole different one for that. Um, yeah. as, as So let me ask you this. Um, l- l- as we wrap up, what's one thing you loved about the military service? One thing that, you know, kind of still stays with you till today? Um, I'll give you two, but I'll make it very quick. One That's is um, the ability the ability to serve others and to serve something higher than myself um, resonated with me. Uh, as a selfish teenager, 
changing my whole perspective and the Marine Corps changed my entire life. Um, it's really made me a better person, I think, and I'm still learning to be a better person. We all can do better, right? Um, the other thing is, um, you know, the, the quality of people you work with from all the services, right? The, the Air Force, Navy, Army, right? You, and, and my fellow Marines, you know, these are people who care. They're high quality individuals. They're people who want to do amazing things. And I really love that sense of camaraderie and the sense of mission that we all had. I, when I would go on an army base or an air force base or with, you know, my sailor um, comrades on ship, I always felt like I was part of a bigger family, right? And there was a, there was a little bit of rivalry like you would have in any family, but it was a friendly, Hey, we, we all care about each other. We, we got each other's backs um, and, and we'll do what's right by each other. And, you know, I, I, I look for organizations that have that now, but you know, in the military, it's a whole different world and totally loved it. And it was amazing. Yeah. Um, the brotherhood is unanimously when I ask that question, mm -hmm. the one thing that everyone talks about brotherhood yeah. and, and, and you know, it's, it's so true because, you know, you see that at every conference, like security conference, right? The veterans were huddled in some place, <laughs> um, having conversations. We're at some restaurant or some bar, um, and 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 we're you know, and then everyone else is everywhere else. And not to say that we're fractured as a cybersecurity community, and not to dismiss other people who are not veterans who are in the cybersecurity community, but we always seem to find each other. Yeah. You can tell by how people talk or, or whatnot. What but, you know, the thing I love, too, is that you get a lot of cybersecurity practitioners who weren't in, in the military. And, you know, there's that same kind of approach and thinking. So, I, I mean, it feels very comfortable to even talk to other cybersecurity professionals who aren't in the military because there's that same sense of, you know, well, purpose and so forth. Well, you look at CISOs, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know, we reach out to each other and we try to support each other as much as possible. Yeah. And, you know, you know, information sharing and, and just, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to buy something like this. What are you using? What do you recommend? You know, and, and mm -hmm. having those conversations, those, those typically help you do your role a little bit yeah. better and help you avoid mistakes. And I mean, that's why I started the CISO talk podcast, right? Cause I was mm -hmm. sick of like people talking about technology and, and, and products and solutions. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, technology doesn't solve all of our problems and technology yep. definitely isn't solving our biggest problem, which is, you know, program building, hiring, retaining the human mm -hmm. element, the human aspect there, there's, there's, there's real leadership skills that are needed for that. And, you know, I always say there's two kinds of CISOs, right? There's the people who are people like you and I who who are able to talk technologically, but also able to be human. And we have some other mm -hmm. people who are technologists, the smartest people on the planet. Some of the smartest people I know would never come on my podcast. And I want yeah. them to because they're so smart, but they're not people people. Yeah. And it's it's a tough, I mean, it's easy to just focus on the technology. I always tell my team the um, technology only makes a bad process bad faster. So focus on process, focus on the people and the relationships and the technology will follow. Yeah, like Gary Hayslip says it, like people process technology, right? Like just yeah. focus, focus on that, but start with the people, then like leave yes. technology to the last thing. Like what can <laughs> yeah. I do? You know, people process technology. It's not technology process people. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because people are the just like the military, right? You can have all the greatest technological systems and the greatest weapons in the world. If you don't have good leaders and the ability to think freely and, you know, good just people, you're, you're going to fail. I mean, it's been proven historically time and time again. Yeah, it's funny. Um, um, a lot of veterans, when we talk, we talk about like, you know, gun battles, right, with like, you know, terror groups and especially, you mm-hmm. know, in the, in, in the most recent conflicts. And they go, you know, these guys will come and shoot at you and they go and they're shooting and they're not hitting anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we, yeah. we, we, we deploy our weapons and we're like, like they're yeah. done with, you know, and, and, and that comes to training and that comes to people and that comes yeah. to training and that comes to people. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and at yeah. the end of the day, you know. Technology is just a tool, right? A screwdriver is not going to make you a better, um, you know, a better mechanic. Right, it, you got to have the right person to to work the tools. Yeah, and and if anyone knows me, knows I can't fix nothing. Any like my <laughs> wife, when something breaks in the house, she's just like, "Don't touch it." You're get, like, literally, I can't even put a door on hinges right sometimes. Like, because you'll multiply the cost. They have to fix the damage you created in addition to what's um, what needs fixed. It sounds like absolutely true. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like I am just, I'm not, I'm not a fixer upper kind of guy. Like I try yeah. to be like, I've been, tr- you know, I watched Bob the builder. Yeah. I've watched home improvement. Like, yeah. you know, I come so from got a fam- the right base there. Yeah. Yeah. I come <laughs> from a family of carpenters. Like my grandpa was a carpenter, my uncle, oh, wow. my cousins, like, you know, I'm like the one guy in the family that when he'd go to the carpentry shop, people would be like, make him wear a yellow vest, put a helmet and gloves on him because I've literally <laughs> cut my finger on a table saw once. Like I was oh, cutting wow. wood and I cut my finger on a table saw. Oh my, so, well, but, but if they give you an Atari 65 or um, a 65 XE or an 800, you can make magic happen. I can. And, and that's the value you bring. Right, like, I, 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 like you know, I'd go to my uncle and be like, why are all your invoices on paper? Let's computerize the business. Let's, you know, <laughs> you. take stock of, of our wood and, 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 and all that stuff. And I'm like, hey, we can get rid of sawdust. Sawdust people will pay us money for sawdust. Let's yeah. put it in barrels. And he goes, who would pay us money for sawdust? I'm like, there's people who need sawdust. They'll pay yeah. money for it. Yeah. And he'd be like, really? And I'm like, yeah, more income. Like, yeah. <laughs> no one can like, argue with that. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So we're out of time. We're, we're four minutes over, but I can't get enough of Paul. So um, <laughs> we'll have Paul on a CISO talk episode. So so look it up um, um, and, and make sure to tune in for the full episode where we'll talk a little bit about veteran affairs, but really we're going to focus on Paul's career um, and cyber and leadership and all the fun stuff that go with that. Paul, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast, man. And thank you for your service. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and thank you. Guys, Veteran November, another awesome episode down. So many more to go, so many veterans to highlight. Uh, Turnout's been awesome. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the series thus far. I know there's so uh, many more stories I want to tell, but you know we're, we're, we're starting with and, and trying to give you the variety. Never lose hope. You can reach out to myself, and, and I'll volunteer, Paul. If you need help, you need direction, you need guidance, you know, I know that... I volunteer my time. I know so many other veterans that do that. Every single person that's been on the show is willing to take half an hour, an hour out of their day uh, to help you just find yourself. So, so never feel like you're, you're out of hope or there's no hope for you at all. Um, we're all in this together. Um, and InfoSec is a great place for you to find meaning and, and, and have some, some, uh, economic relief. Um, and so we ask you to join our family until, tomorrow in another episode of veteran november folks make sure you hashtag share these um and and i hope we inspire you paul again thank you so much 
We'll be back with more. Until next time, folks, we're signing off. Have a great day and stay cyber safe. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com. Cyberhub.